podcast talking all things health technology and NHS IT. Welcome to Digital Health Unplugged. Hello and welcome to Digital Health Unplugged. That's right, the podcast is back. I'm not your host, Andrea Downey. She's moved on to a new adventure at the Nursing Standard. Um, we wish her all the best. I'm Jordan Soloff, junior news reporter for Digital Health. I'll be hosting some of the some of the uh, shows and sometimes it'll be our editor, Hannah Crouch. So yes, it's me today and we're delighted to have Professor Jonathan Benger, Chief Medical Officer at NHS Digital on the, on the podcast today, amongst many other things, of course. Um, so we'll come on to that. But Jonathan, yeah, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. This is the second second attempt after a little hitch. But yeah, how are you again? Uh, I'm very good, thank you, and thanks very much for inviting me. Of course, yeah. We have to start with your receiving a CBE in the New Year's Honours list on behalf of everyone at Digital Health. A massive congratulations, an amazing achievement. You were just starting to tell me before about kind of how that felt and how proud of your family were and also the team that you worked with as well. So could you just tell us again kind of your initial feelings and emotions when you found that out? Yeah, well, obviously it's a huge honour and uh, I felt very proud as, as it did my family. Um, but I'm also very conscious that uh, nothing is done by individuals um, in health and care. And so um, I'm hugely grateful to the uh, immensely talented individuals and teams I've had the opportunity to work with over many years. Um, it really is a team sport and uh, it's uh, the honours, of course, are given to individuals, but uh, really they, they should recognise the whole team. Absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know, as Chief Medical Officer, you've overseen NHS Pathways, NHS 111 online, NHS.UK website, the NHS app, all of which, of course, have been crucial to the pandemic response. Could you give us a little insight into kind of what this kind of work in particular has involved and, and how that work has been vital in the response to the pandemic? Yeah, of course. So as Chief Medical Officer at NHS Digital, I have a, an overarching responsibility for all of the kind of clinical work that we do and for the governance and safety of our products and services. Um, and so you've, you've named some of the, the products and services there that have been instrumental to the pandemic. But of course, there's a, a huge amount of other things that go on. Uh, data, research, support, shielded patient list, uh, supporting vaccinations and testing. And it, it, the list goes on and on. Um, I, I lead a clinical team whose role is very much around ensuring that the products and services that we provide are relevant, um, that they're effective, that they're safe, um, and that, that they're well governed. Um, and we've been really fortunate to be able to develop uh, an increasingly sophisticated governance and safety structure, uh, which sits over our products. Uh, and those, those few that you've named um, have certainly been very instrumental to the pandemic response. Um, and it's been a very busy time. Uh, the teams have worked incredibly hard, long hours um, through weekends into the evenings, um, sometimes not taking the holidays in order to ensure that we are providing uh, the very latest uh, information, uh, technology, advice, support uh, to the population, and to patients that we serve. Um, so, you know, it's been it's been a very, very, very intense time, a lot of changes, a lot of uh, urgent requirements that we've had to address. Uh, but it's also been a, a time of considerable pride for myself and for the whole uh, clinical team and for the whole of NHS Digital, because we feel that we have really been able to contribute effectively to the pandemic response. Um, and we really have made a difference. And it has been a, a very challenging few years, hasn't it? And kind of what have the biggest challenges and obstacles been that you've kind of faced and had to overcome in the last few years? Um, I mean, everybody's worked together incredibly hard and has been really, really uh, willing uh, to to do anything possible 
to support the coronavirus response. Uh, in more general terms, when I started as Chief Medical Officer in 2019, um, I think the profile of clinicians within NHS Digital and, and perhaps within wider kind of digital technologies uh, needed to be improved. Uh, there's sometimes an assumption that that uh, digital is all about some kind of sort of uh, lonely individual sat in a room doing some programming or it's a sort of a very technical or, or kind of specialist skill. And obviously providing digital services to health and care requires absolute grounding um, in the clinical perspective um, and the patients uh, and clients that we serve. So for me, one of the big challenges has been ensuring that we embed clinical thinking and clinical advice in everything that NHS Digital does. Uh, we have about one in 50 uh, employees of NHS Digital as a clinician um, and we have a unique role in terms of providing input as a result of our expertise, our clinical experience and also our professional contacts. And so we've been promoting a, a concept that we've kind of called clinical first or you know, clinical is, is it really a part of everything. Um, and so uh, that's really enhanced our profile as clinicians. When when I started, there were, were programs that kind of said, well, we don't really have any clinical impact, so we don't need clinicians. And clearly, if, if we're running digital programs that don't have any clinical impact, then why are we running those programs? Um, and in fact, often, but always, there is clinical impact. That's the whole point. Um, and so getting people to think uh, through a clinical lens, uh, to consult clinicians and to bring those clinicians into the work to ensure that it's always relevant, it's always focused uh, and that the outputs are always uh, landing effectively uh, and meeting the needs of, of population patients um, and the kind of wider citizens of, of the country uh, is really important. It has been at times quite challenging to continue to hold that in view, but I think we've, we've made huge progress now. Um, and the kind of clinical first idea uh, has really embedded itself in NHS Digital and in the wider system. Probably a difficult question, this one, because you've done so much incredible work, you and the team at NHS Digital. But if you look back over the last few years, what would maybe be the one thing that you'd say you're most proud of? I think it's the way the team have worked really together um, and come together. I mean, obviously, the, the biggest pressure from health service staff has fallen on the front line um, and the clinicians who've actually been there treating patients with coronavirus. But the teams that have been working behind those individuals, and that would include very much the digital teams that have been providing really the, the, the backbone of support. So I mentioned before the testing program, the vaccination program, uh, the shielded patient list, and all of, underpinning all the research that's been done. We've, we've done a lot of work to really um, enhance our ability to support research to produce uh, rapid results that have really informed treatment uh, and improved outcomes in coronavirus. But all of these all of these things have required people to really work together and, and as, as, as I said earlier, really work long hours, work hard and show real dedication. Um, so I think that that is a really important highlight. We've also been lucky to uh, be awarded some some kind of recognition externally. So a couple of key projects uh, would include the kind of uh, population risk stratification that we undertook using the QCOVID algorithm developed at Oxford University, um, which allowed us to prioritise a significant number of people for vaccination and ensure that they received the protection that they that they needed um, during during the height of the pandemic, um, and that was that was uh, recognised uh, quite widely across the system, um, and also uh, COVID oximetry at home, um, which was a uh, very much a digitally driven uh, 
separate project uh, then implemented locally uh, by a, a huge number of uh, really enthusiastic and effective clinicians to, to serve patients and detect early deterioration um, also um, was, a, was a winner of the Health Services Journal uh, Patient Safety Award. So again, these are, these are big team operations and digital is only a part of a much wider uh, picture. Um, but it's also nice to, to, for the team as a whole to receive that kind of recognition. I think you painted a great picture there of just all the work, the amazing work the team have done over the last, over the last few years. That was a really interesting insight there. And of course, if we go back further, it's not just anxious Digital where you've done amazing work. You were instrumental in the setup of the Great Western Air Ambulance Charity acting as their first medical advisor and promoting the active model of pre-hospital critical care. So first I'd like to ask kind of what made you want to set up this air ambulance charity and, and how did that come about? Well, I, I'm a consultant in emergency medicine in Bristol. Um, and uh, when I was appointed in 2003, um, I'd already done quite a lot of uh, work in pre-hospital. So in Scandinavia, worked for London Hems. Um, and it was obvious that we were receiving people in the emergency department who would have benefited from treatment at an earlier stage in the community. Um, people kind of imagine that the ambulance service and the air ambulance service is about rushing people to hospital really fast. But the reality is it, that takes time. And if you really want to treat people uh, quickly, uh, then you, the way to do that is to go to the people where they are ill and injured. And so we developed a critical care model, which was very much about uh, using a specialist team of a very experienced doctor and a highly trained paramedic working very closely together uh, well beyond the the skills of a traditional paramedic staffed ambulance bringing additional drugs procedures uh, decision making uh, to patients who are critically ill and injured uh, and that model was quite novel uh, when we started but it, it's now widely accepted as the, the optimal model and is, is now provided pretty much uh, everywhere uh, throughout the UK um, and I've I'm very, very lucky to have had a part in that development and uh, very lucky to be able to continue continue that work. So although I'm no longer the medical director for the service, um, I still work regularly uh, for the for the for the service and for the charity. So I was doing a shift last night, in fact, um, and um, I'm now uh, on the board of trustees for the charity and the vice chair of the trustees. So that's a, a really uh, rewarding progression from setting a service up and uh, getting it running, uh, then handing it on to others, but still being able to contribute clinically and now being able to contribute to the overall running and fundraising for that. Air ambulances don't receive any government funding, so they're all charitable in nature. You kind of nicely answered my next question as well there, which which was asking that you are a trustee of the charity and you still regularly complete shifts. And is that something you still love and find rewarding? But as you said, Absolutely. it is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a clinician first and foremost, so uh, I, I think that's really important. So I still find treating patients, uh, supervising the staff, treat, teaching uh, people coming up through the various professions uh, immensely rewarding. As we mentioned, you are a consultant in emergency medicine at the University Hospital of Bristol and Western NHS Foundation Trust since 2003. Um, why do you feel it's important to kind of remain in this role close to practical delivery and how has this experience maybe informed your more national role at NHS Digital? Yeah, well, I think this is this is the, the, the nub of it, really. So, uh, as I said before, clinicians bring certain skills into uh, digital technologies, but those skills are, are unique to clinicians. 
And so in order to retain clinical credibility uh, and clinical currency, what's important is that our clinicians are also grounded in, in the reality of, of health and care. So they understand what's going on, uh, what, what the main staff concerns are, uh, what the main patient needs are. Um, and so for me, it's really important to continue working clinically. Uh, I'm not prepared to, to sacrifice that because I think that the, the risk is that you start to drift away from frontline delivery of healthcare. Um, and it's the only way really to understand what's actually happening and also the extent to which the, there are requirements and those requirements are being met by digital technologies. When you work in the centre, it can be difficult to judge what's really happening um, on the ground um, and really well-conceived and well-delivered initiatives um, can have less impact than was envisaged simply because they're not landing in quite the right way in localities. So seeing it from both ends of the telescope, as it were, so seeing the central central development of strategy, delivery, provision of services is important, but also understanding how that actually looks for, for workers. We, we have 1.6 million people in the NHS, and so that's a huge workforce and understanding how that workforce thinks, how that workforce operates, their views and what will make their job easier and understanding what patients want uh, and what will support patients. You know, that's really, really critical. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's look ahead now. And of course, our flagship exhibition events, Digital Health Rewired, taking place on the 15th and 16th of March at the Business Design Centre in London, we're delighted, Jonathan, that you you will be a keynote speaker on the digital transformation stage on on day two, nine thirty five a.m. We have on our on our schedule for for anyone looking forward to that. We certainly are. That's a great um, plug. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Yes, the session <laughs> titled "Clinical Perspective on Digital Tra- Transformation and Integration in the NHS." Uh, I suppose without giving too much away, and, and maybe you can't it's still a little way off, but could you maybe give us a little sneak preview of maybe what that session will be about and the kind of messages you want to convey? Yes, of course. So uh, given the conversation so far, it will come as no surprise that my focus is on the role of clinicians uh, in leadership of digital transformation and integration. Uh, We have an immense opportunity as we emerge from the coronavirus pandemic um, and with the appointment of Tim Ferriss as the new National Director for Transformation and to really change things. Um, and to genuinely transform uh, the delivery of health and care services. But to do that well and to do that effectively, we need to make sure that the clinical voice is is loud and clear. So I think clinicians have a really important role to play, both in leading those changes, leading that transformation, um, and also in in supporting it and making sure it it happens um, and that, that it's a reality. Senior clinicians in the NHS are the most powerful force that we have in primary, secondary care and so forth. And so engagement with those clinicians requires, I think, uh, clinicians in leadership roles uh, working actively to ensure that the the changes that we want to make uh, genuinely happen and genuinely yield the benefits that we can all see that they have the potential to deliver. So I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk, talk about that theme, about how clinicians can and should uh, be involved in digital transformation um, and the opportunities that exist to achieve that. Uh, this is an amazing time, uh, full of promise, and we need to seize that promise uh, and act on it now. We're all very much looking forward to that. I certainly am. It'll be my first rewired, so very much looking forward to that. And of course, last year as well, you spoke at our Autumn Leadership Summit and you did stress there that the NHS organisations need to take the workforce with us and 
there is a need to reduce digital pathways. Could you, for anyone that maybe didn't didn't hear that speech, could you expand what you meant by maybe reducing digital pathways and kind of how in a bit more detail this can be achieved? I'm not sure I said reduce. Redesign might, I think, would be a better word to describe oh, it. Yeah, okay, I mean, the might be an error the, on the story on the website then. Okay, <laughs> yeah, redesign. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, simplify. Uh, but I mean, I, th I think the risk of the word reduce is that it uh, gives the impression that we want less digital pathways. What we actually no, want, we certainly don't want that, do we? <laughs> what we what we want is the right digital pathways. So, yeah. uh, so there is a real requirement to to redesign the end to end pathway for uh, patient journeys through our system um, and using digital tools to support that. There, it is absolutely essential that we simplify that and that also that we um, ensure that the the way those pathways work and the way that digital technologies support them is as simple and as intuitive as possible. Uh, there's a very strong design principle, which is that if you make the right thing the easiest thing for a clinician to do, then they'll do the right thing. Um, whereas if you put digital technologies in place that that uh, have to uh, require additional effort. So if you say, this is the pathway, this is the digital thing that you need to do, but it's it's more work than, than an alternative, then that's really hard to make that work. And so the design with clinicians for clinicians is critical. Um, so we need to reduce the complexity. Um, we need to improve the simplicity. And we also need to make sure that the pathways that we design are strongly digitally enhanced in a way that doing the digital pathway and doing it right is the easiest thing for the clinician and gives the best outcomes for the patient. And in terms of digital transformation and integration in the NHS, what are your kind of hopes and I suppose predictions for the future? Well, as I've already alluded to, I think there's a huge amount of opportunity ahead of us. So uh, the, the opportunities for transformation in the post-pandemic landscape are profound. We've leapt forward um, probably up to 10 years in some areas in terms of the adoption and dissemination of effective digital technologies. And patients of the public have become much more used to using digital technologies uh, to access healthcare and health advice. It's important that we don't leave people out. It's important that we don't exclude people. Um, and, it, and, uh, and that's one of the most important strands of developing digital solutions to support health and care is to make sure that we don't uh, inadvertently um, widen the gaps in equality or, or, or leave people out. But, but the opportunities are there for the taking and the changes that are happening now within the kind of wider infra infrastructure of the NHS, both centrally and, and more locally through the creation of integrated care systems um, and the bringing together of central NHS organizations is, is all the right direction of travel uh, to integrate and transform the NHS. We've made huge strides with the NHS app. I mean, it's an amazing success story. Um, yeah. The reality is, is, is that uh, from a very small base of users, we've, we've now we've now got more than 26 million people uh, who uh, have an NHS login and have access to the app um, and it's a hugely uh, powerful tool and we need to build on that uh, and really put the power and the information in the hands of citizens. Um, there's a whole range of things that I think we need to bring forward so more effective virtual wards and virtual monitoring I talked about COVID oximetry earlier and the success of that program uh, but that's just the beginning of our opportunity to support and manage people at home and in the community. 
um, and we need to make sure that our underpinning data structures uh, really allow interoperability and communication between systems across all parts of health and care um, and through that mechanism we'll have the data to drive effective population health interventions um, and improve uh, the health of the population as a whole but also improve the health of individuals and identify those who are least served and therefore most deserving um, of better healthcare. So we can we can turn the inverse care law on its head. We can identify the people who really need bespoke local interventions to improve their health and empower their own health management. Um, and I think the, the potential for that is huge. Interesting. You mentioned that how successful the NHS app has been, which it really has been looking at our kind of data and, and statistics to our digital health news site. I mean, the traffic is really, I mean, our buzzwords were NHS app and NHS COVID pass. That is that's what everyone wanted to read about in 2021. Thousands and thousands of, of people just logging on, reading stories about that much more than anything else we wrote about, really. So that really was the buzzword. And it just kind of shows with how many users there are now, how successful that has been. And final question, really, I have for you, Jonathan. And this is kind of looking forward. What do you and the team at NHS Digital want to achieve that maybe you haven't yet done? Well, I've talked about some of the, the opportunities that lie ahead of us. I'm really um, excited by the opportunities that we have through population health management. I think if we can uh, use our data effectively, then we can do a huge amount more. So one of the, the success stories has been our ability to identify people at risk at a population level uh, using digital technologies. Um, and that then uh, has the opportunity to be extended further. So beyond the, the kind of coronavirus uh, applications, uh, it opens up the opportunity to, to start to uh, identify uh, and intervene uh, for individuals, communities, populations uh, in order to improve their health. So we've only just scratched the surface really, I think, of, of what can be achieved um, with effective data collection um, and data collation um, and then the use of that to improve the care uh, of, that we provide um, and to improve the health of the population and the citizens that we serve. So I think we're going to see big steps forward um, in terms of, of that. I think it gives us the opportunity to really address health inequalities, which is really important um, because that's another area which has been exposed by the coronavirus pandemic and where we need to do a lot better. Um, and I, I think that we are going to see continuing development of digital technologies uh, in a way that will genuinely support and transform health and care. Uh, I and my team and the whole of Energy Digital are hugely excited about this. Uh, we're really looking forward to, to what the future brings and the opportunity to realise some of the huge potential that exists in digital and data technologies uh, to improve health and care in this country. I think potential is a key word there, isn't it, of, of what the future holds and certainly some exciting developments could be happening. I think that's about all we've got time for on this, our comeback episode of Digital Health Unplugged. Jonathan, thank you again so much for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to come and chat to us and chat to our listeners. Not a problem at all. I've, um, I've enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me and I'm certainly looking forward to Rewired. Absolutely. As are we, as are we. Um, yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to the podcast. We're available on all your favourite podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, to name, name a few. We'll be coming back with regular episodes, particularly in the Build Up to Rewired, with other speakers who will be at the event and people that have taken pass, part in previous Pitch Fest competitions, which takes place at Rewired as well. So thank you very much for listening. Until next time, take care.
you for listening to Digital Health Unplugged. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favourite podcast platform. And to find out about our latest news and events, head to our website, digitalhealth.net. Thank you.